This episode of Excelsior Journeys is sponsored by author Andrew Allen Smith. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for and you? And that's what I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the little mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. So jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm sex. rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it sticks. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys, part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network. My name is George Soroy, and thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for tuning in for over 200 episodes. I still can't believe how far this show has gone. It has been such an amazing run. I hope that you are listening to the other shows that are on the Once Upon a Podcast Network, because all eight shows and the upcoming ninth show Audio Drama Sunday Theater, starting on Labor Day weekend. It's all about inspiring, motivating, celebrating, educating, and even rejuvenating creatives of all kinds. And one thing that we really kind of push with this entire network is what this month's episodes are all about here on Excelsior Journeys. And that is simply, you are not alone. And I have spoken with with several different people that have that have either reached out to their readers by saying you are not alone or their clients by saying you are not alone. But there's also a great, a great wonderful tool that really has not been used as much in these COVID and post COVID days. And that is collaboration. And back in 2016, when my previous publisher, Rocking Horse Publishing was closing up shop, I myself found myself without a publisher and a dear friend who was also in Rocking Horse Publishing, Rebecca Jaycox, reached out to me and let me know that, that there was another publisher that was interested in Excelsior and Ever Upward, which was still in progress. And by taking those steps and being involved with that publisher, I was introduced to the wonderful Molly Phipps because one of the great things about these books as they've come out Excelsior in 2017 and Ever Upward in 2018. Whether people enjoyed or didn't enjoy the stories, that's one thing. But the universal word about it was, I love these covers. I love that cover art. You know, I think that's, that's terrific. And when I put together this show, the first person I reached out to to put a proper cover art together was Molly. And because the show is called Excelsior Journeys, I was able to reflect that same sort of template. And she put together something that was just a home run on the very first try. Um, And it basically became a running theme for me whenever anyone would say how much they love their covers. I always respond with, yeah, my cover artist is kind of a genius. And sure enough, that is not only true with her cover art, but also with her collaboration with Rebecca herself, because the two of them have put together a really exciting series of books. And they are in the process of finishing up their Kickstarter campaign, which by the time you hear this only has a couple days left. So we're going to provide some information about that as the show goes on. And we're also going to be sharing, for those of you who are monthly members, a little bit of a visual taste of what is to come with these, with this campaign, with these stories. 
I am so excited to hear from both of them, and it is my pleasure to introduce my friends, Rebecca Jaycox and Molly Phipps. How are you both today? Hello. Good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so for starters, before we dive into your respective origin stories, tell us a little bit about this campaign, which has is definitely become a big success. You're in the process of getting the stretch goals achieved, but there is there's more to do in these in these final days. Tell us a little bit about it all. So we just finished the series. We released the last book in was it March or April? March. Yeah, March. March. And as a lot of people do when they finish a series, they eventually release some sort of box set omnibus edition. And so mm-hmm. we kind of talked about, you know, what if before we do that, we make a limited edition one and we try a Kickstarter and, you know, we see if we can't hit a goal to be able to offer readers something that they would normally only be able to get through a traditional publisher. You know, your, your gold foiling, your stenciled edges, the things that a normal like indie author can't realistically either financially hit or in terms of quantity for a print run. So we decided to come up with the, the limited edition omnibus, which includes the bonus chapters from the individual books, which you can normally only get by subscribing to our newsletter. And it has some really amazing graphic novel pages inside depicting scenes from the books, along with exclusive cover, exclusive formatting, full color interior, and a, a ton of exclusive swag as well. And we just thought this would be a really great way to sort of celebrate finishing our first co-authored series, put something truly beautiful. And I, I'm not, you know, I say this humbly as the person who designed it all, but <laughs> like, I truly <laughs> do think it's really beautiful. I'm really proud of how it all came out. And it just for us, it's just a really fun opportunity to see this co- our first collaboration and to mm-hmm. see it received so well in a form that we, you know, five, 10 years ago, we probably couldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is this is a trilogy, correct? You yes. Know, that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a you would you would describe it as a YA fantasy. Correct. Paranormal oh, romance. Oh. Paranormal right? romance. Yeah. I think yeah, histor- it kind of, historical fantasy as well. I think it could fit into. Yeah. It could fit into urban fantasy too. Oh yeah. It, it's kind of like a blend, but yeah, young nice. adult for sure. Always good. Yeah, just, Always good. Yeah. Upper, upper YA. Upper YA. Yeah. <laughs> upper YA. Got it. Got it. And so, so obviously we know like as part of Aloris Publishing, that's when you two met, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember Molly, I remember the, the covers for the, the original version of, of, Re- of Rebecca's story, uh, Rebecca's stories, the other inheritance the and the other queen. And there was going to be the other war, correct? Yeah. Before, yeah. before I got rebranded. We rebranded after the second one, didn't we? Yes. I don't remember yes. ever doing a third one. Yeah. You didn't do it. No, we rebranded no. the whole thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was so how how was it working together on those those covers? Because that was really kind of like the first real step of the two of you working together, correct? You were yeah, a pain was... in the butt. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually pretty easy. No. She just you're, told you're, me find you what you want. <laughs> you're pretty no, you're pretty you're pretty easy. I remember when every time because obviously I did the covers for our co-authored books and as well as the Kickstarter one and the not yet revealed retail box set edition yeah. and i always send it to you and you maybe say oh there's this one little thing here can that be fixed and it's usually 
you're yeah, pretty, pretty you're pretty easy. Yeah, you're pretty easily impressed, though. <laughs> I'm pretty easy. I'm just like I think he looks like he's blushing, and I don't like it. That's really <laughs> I will. I will say also in in full disclosure here, Rebecca is not only one of my best friends, but also, but also the during the time at a Loris Publishing, she was also my content editor, and boy, yeah, you know, and you're it, still my friend, and and we're still friends. Yes, yes, and well, that, yeah, and that's a that's a testament to you know like how much all that red ink helped me. Try because... co-authoring with her. <laughs> I'm easy I'm sure to co-author that... with. I'm just not easy when you we go back through the book. The yeah, because I I was I was so convinced that 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 first book because even though like it, it had ma- it had made some big strides from the first edition to to the second, it was definitely you know like I, I knew that there was there was room for even more improvement, which was what was pitched to me. Uh, when I first signed up was basically just, you know, asking, do you have, are you, are you open to, you know, like making some adjustments and everything? So that way the, that way we can kind of fix the second half, you know, the, the second act a little bit, you know, just kind of tightening up some, some characters. And I just wanted the book to be the best it could be. So I said, okay. And, and then I came back, you know, I came back from, from, from reading Rebecca's revisions well not so much revisions but uh, sledgehammer hits <laughs> they were yeah. they're fairly brutal i spent about i think a good like two three months kind of rewriting that first book but at the same time you know thank god that you did that because it just made it stronger and stronger and now i hope it's the best that that, that it yeah, can be yeah, um, I I'm very proud of that. You know that version, especially and making the changes that I did, I felt like they they really lent themselves to what would eventually be the audio drama um, adaptation, which will be part of the audio drama Sunday theater that people get to hear on Labor Day weekend. Cool. So so there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that came out of that revision. So yes, we are still friends. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 the the work that you did on Ever Upward was also legendary as as well because I had one edit I had my story editor Jerry Ann tell me how much the character ne- Excelsior needed to go on a walkabout and rediscover his whole his whole planet and so there were about like four chapters that were dedicated to all of that and Rebecca immediately said it reads like a travelogue get rid of all that and so <laughs> and. Again, you know, like I'm glad you did because that allowed me to kind of tap into what I was doing with that with that character. I was just like, oh, wait a second, he's a god in human form, so why don't he do the same thing, but just kind of like let his consciousness separate itself and travel around the planet and then come right back to him? And all of that was done in two, three paragraphs in chapter one. So Good. that's that's <laughs> that, my friends, is what a great editor can do can do for your for your work so so yeah that was my my own little commercial for rebecca's editorial expertise there so so really like as the two of you because one th- one thing i have not yet heard from is we you know like we know rebecca's origin story as a storyteller molly we don't know yours so what oh. i would love to hear from you is my is what i like to call the lightning bolt moment and that's that moment in time when we all experience something or read something, meet someone or something. And it just makes you say, that's what I want to do. 
that's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of person I want to be. So for you, was it illustration or writing that came first? Both. It was kind of weird. So my earliest memory of writing was kindergarten and I had actually made a book. It wasn't very long. It's like 10 pages and it was about gardening. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what specifically. I just remember it was about gardening, but I wrote this story and I illustrated it and I was so proud of this. And mm -hmm. I do contribute a lot of my interest in books to my dad. He was always an avid reader. We had an actual library in our house. And so I just remember from a really young age being really into books and going to Barnes Noble and, and wanting to write. But at the same time, I was always really into art and illustration and all that. And so they kind of always just went hand in hand. And I just always knew, regardless of what I did career-wise, that I would mm -hmm. also write books. Excellent. Excellent. And so how did you start, you know, kind of working with, were you working with other publishers before you started working with, with the one that we all called home for a while? I think it was around the same time I was working with another publisher. Um, they too have closed their doors. Mm -hmm. I work with several book boxes as well now. So oh, I've kind of nice. had my hand in a lot of pies. <laughs> just kind of, I'm um, wherever people will hire me. So <laughs> nice. How'd you get involved with the book boxes? So if I remember correctly, it was one of my existing clients, her mm -hmm. series got picked up by the bookish box mm -hmm. and they had emailed me asking, I can't remember if they asked for the interior. I think they had asked for the interior files and I was like, well, you know, it's not as simple as just handing it over. Does the size need to change? You know, it, it, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. And at the time, I guess they were going through some stuff and were actually looking for a new mm -hmm. formatter. And I just, I think it just was the right time. So now they hire me a lot for new projects and like fixing old ones, I guess. And mm -hmm. then I've had other clients who their books get picked up for book boxes and I've either been hired to, uh, I think in those cases, it was usually the cover I was hired to help with. I just did a an exclusive foil edition cover for Obsidian Ooh. Flame Crate. I think Obsidian Flame Moon Crate. I, it's like one of those two. I'm yeah. sorry if I butchered the name. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those. But yeah, no, it's good fun. I do like, I do like working for the book boxes because it's cool to see you know, cause they get a lot of traction on like Instagram and social media. Cause people are always like, Oh, pretty books. So it's always oh, quite yeah. exciting when, you know, you see pictures of something I've created and you know, it's there. It's always fun. And it's, <laughs> and it's being, and it's being put out there for all the world to see. Yeah, like that's, exactly. that's terrific. So, so Rebecca, what was it like, you know, kind of putting the, putting your books together? Cause you, you went, you had two shots at this particular, at your, your trilogy. Because you had the you had the books that started with the other inheritance and the other queen, and you were working on the other war when yeah. the when the decision came to rebrand the books, correct? Yes, we decided to read. The publisher at the time wanted to rebrand because they didn't think it looked fantasy enough, or it wasn't hmm. obvious what it was. They thought my titles were too clever. I mean, that's <laughs> what was discussed. So we right. changed the titles, and then I I talked to Molly. And I told her what I wanted and she mm -hmm. did beautiful work. She did beautiful work, but I don't own the covers anymore since the publisher went under. So I have to unfortunately rebrand again with Molly. Mm -hmm. So after the Kickstarter is finished, we're going to focus on rebranding my books because we have decided to start selling direct on Shopify. 
oh, together. Cool. So okay. we're going to have like her series, my series, our series, and we're going to make them available as bundles. Wow. So instead of like, I don't know. I think retailers take a lot of power away from writers and we don't, most people don't understand that you barely get paid once you sell mm-hmm. through retailers. So if you can learn to sell direct and you actually can lower prices for the reader and mm-hmm. still make a much bigger profit for yourself than selling on a, on a different platform. So we're going to focus on that. I don't think, I just don't think that anybody's aware, especially when it comes to like paperback or hardback books, how little you make and how mm-hmm. much Ingram makes or Amazon makes. I think what is it, Molly out of like a $24 book, we make like three bucks or something. It's I, less it's, than that. It's like, it's, less than $3. it's, it's like, tricky because yeah. like, I remember looking recently because my, my dystopian series, I also have available as a, like a, a big omnibus. This thing's a beast. Now, mm-hmm. Because this is all three books and they're all very long books, you know, 100, 130,000 words each. Each? Yeah, Damn. they're long, they're long books. Um, wow. the, the bundle sells mm-hmm. like the paperbacks, like 39.99. But if you had bought the books individually, that's a really good discount still. So mm-hmm. you would think 39.99. It costs, I think it said it costs like $11 to print. So that's mm-hmm. like 20 bucks there that I should be getting in profit. I get yeah. to keep $7 of that. Amazon keeps uh, the majority, which is just mm-hmm. mental to me. So, yeah. <laughs> and then it's that like, course, I, yeah. it's like, I get it. You know, like they're, you know, they provide the sort of platform that, that, that is universal that, you know, that everyone can really can, can access. But at the same time, like it really, it, it really is brutal when it comes yeah. to, that. you know, like there and needs so, to be something. Exactly. And if you are selling a book that's just like one book, even if it's really long, which as Rebecca will tell you, I write long books, I write long chapters, they add Mm up. Uh, So, you know, if if you have a book that's 120,000 words, it's going to be like a 600, 700 page book, but you still, it's still only one book. You can't charge more than for a hardcover, like 24.99 or else readers aren't going to buy it. But the the resulting royalty is like barely enough to even cover you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So yeah, we, we've started looking at selling direct. We've been a bit busy this year between the Kickstarter and setting up the new website, setting up a new newsletter. We mm-hmm. have to rebrand her series so we can get that up and we're going to be starting on another book. So it's been, it's been a lot, <laughs> but the way that yeah, you're both doing it, the way that you're both doing it is fabulous because you. you're building up the fan base first and, you know, by doing the Kickstarter campaign, you know, you're getting people excited about what you're doing by presenting these stretch goals, by getting the, by getting your work out there in this format and then using, using your, your Facebook community. You have a group now you have a, and it's the bookish den, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Although I, I will admit Rebecca and I are not the best at social media engagement. We're both so busy and especially well, with me with like the time difference it makes it a bit hard to to be engaged but hopefully it will have a snowball effect you know mm-hmm. as we get like more readers you know and that and that's and that's the beautiful thing it's just like once you have like all these readers and everything then you're in a position where you can drop two trilogies right on them and just say mm-hmm. like well we got this over here and then we got this one right over here and then all of a sudden you know like that's going to just keep them coming because that's, that's a lot of content. That's a lot of content that you're all of a sudden, you know, delivering 
to to your readers. The, the the good thing about doing the Kickstarter is Kickstarter is a different audience than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. These people are collectors and they like really beautiful things. They are looking yeah. for books that look like works of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very, very different audience than the retail audience that she and I are used to. Mm-hmm. So we are building a different fan base because if they like what we do, they'll remember it and they'll read the book. And then the next time we do one, because we plan to do another one you kind of have people on the lookout for you, which will be nice, yeah. um, especially with the design work that Molly does. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it'll, it, it's, we're doing two different things like branding in two different ways, I guess. Yeah. Which is, which is a great way to do it. You know, that way you yeah. can kind of get people as in as many different ways as possible. So, so I'm curious yeah. to know, like, yeah. No, no, I was just, I'm going to plug, we're going to do a new book. Somebody invited us to do this anthology with them, sort of like adult oh. fairy tales. Yeah. It's retelling. So that'll be out in 2024, Molly. Is that right? Yeah. November. Yeah. I was actually flattering to ask. Somebody read our series and she said, you guys are really good. Do you want to come and write in our anthology with us? I think it um, worked out well t- timing wise because we have like over a year until, so we, mm-hmm. Rebecca and I, like I said, we're so busy that, fitting in writing time at the moment because we both have young children and work full time. It can be a bit, bit hard, but as well, we actually already had a story somewhat plotted that fell yeah. into the, we had a princess in the pea fairy tale retelling already somewhat plotted. So it worked really nice. well that when they said, Oh, we're doing, you know, adult fairy tale retellings and no one had claimed that one. And we're like, well, we were going to write it anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just there you go. move it there to the go. front of the queue and, and slide it on in there. And yeah. that'll, but now all of a sudden you have, you know, like you have a doorway to more readers yes. like that. That is, that is such an, that is terrific. Talk about great timing with that. Cause yeah. that that's terrific. Now, now Rebecca, I know you've been, been doing a lot of editing over the past several years. So have yes. you been able to, you're, you're still have, you're, you're able to continue on with that while doing all of this. You got to pay the bills, friend. You got to pay the bills. Yeah. I, um, I found a, a sweet freelance gig with a company that pays me pretty well. So, Excellent. and I still try to keep the indie authors that I have. I try to keep them on my older price range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've raised my prices, but like my original clients, I haven't raised it. I try to grandfather them in a little bit. So it's yeah. not so shocking, but yeah, I still edit. It's just hard. It's hard. I get some things that don't need much work and things that need <laughs> That I like, mm-hmm. oh my God, what have I got myself? <laughs> but it's a, but you know, I have to say that the clients that need a lot of work, mm-hmm. I'm always afraid to give it back to them, but they're so appreciative because they don't know and they're usually starting out and they don't know. They're usually new to and the industry. They're new to the industry and they don't understand. And when I do all that work for them, they're so grateful and they're, mm-hmm. they're lovely. So it's worth it. You know, I get thanked a lot and mentioned a lot in acknowledgments. So. That's always sweet. That is great. Um, and and yeah. yeah, you you know that I've plugged you, you know, like many times as well. Yes, thank in, you. In my in my different interviews that I've done on other shows and and having you on here. This is your second, you know, go around on, on here and thank and the the first episode will be rele- will be re released as well as a means of kind of like, you know, getting people fully caught up with, with your saga of cool. everything that, that you have going on. So, so I'm curious to know, like when, when the, while, the, you know, the rebranding was going on, was that when one of you said, Hey, I have an idea for this story in yeah. this trilogy? 
Oh no, this is a fun story. This, this is, is a fun, a fun story. story. So, um, me being a cover designer, so I don't really do them so much now because I don't have time, but I used to try and do pre-mades a lot and do like pre-made events and just mm-hmm. sell them in my group. And for those listening who don't really know what a pre-made is, it's a cover that's already designed just with like a placeholder title. And you're able to then get like a really nice cover for cheaper because it's already been made. It's not custom, but you can, maybe you have a story that it would work with or you buy it just because you like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been a few instances, three to date, where I've made a pre-made and I've loved it too much to give it away. So the cover for Lightfall was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it too much. I was like, oh, I'm like, I know this would sell, but like, I don't want to sell it. I really want it, but I didn't have a story. And Rebecca and I, we knew each other at this time and we were growing really close as friends. And she had said, you know, I've been meaning to ask, how do you feel about co-writing? I thought maybe we could give it a go. And we kind of just said, you know, we have a cover. Let's come up with something. And, mm-hmm. you know, because we share a lot of similar interests in terms of travel and history and mythology, it was, it wasn't hard at all to come up with, you know, a really great story that worked super well mm-hmm. with the cover. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have another cover that I refused to sell <laughs> lined <laughs> up for, for us at some point in the future. And yeah, so it was just kind of like, I, I think it was a combination of timing. We both had time then also to write it. We went through mm-hmm. Lightfall pretty fast, if I recall. Three um, months. We wrote it. Yeah, in three we, we wrote that really quickly. Three months. Wow. And yeah, now, was it, was, it one dra- <laughs> was it one draft in three months or all of the drafts, like getting it ready and everything? For I think that was first months. draft. Was so well, we went through months. a lot of stuff with Lightfall, though, because we tried, we mm-hmm. wrote it, we did like an edit, and then we tried Swoon Reads, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's around anymore, but it was a Macmillan imprint that basically you could it, upload. Yeah. yeah, you could upload mm-hmm. your manuscript and readers could read it and vote for it. And mm-hmm. they would potentially publish some of those. And then we tried querying for a while. And, and then we kind of were like, right. We want to write the rest of the series. We don't want to wait anymore, and mm-hmm. we kind of just kind of just went from there. Excellent. Yeah, we, we we didn't know at the time that Swoon Reads was closing, so we yeah. kind of like wasted a lot of time. Yeah, having it up there. So does but, that mean uh, like you got? So that mean you got you went ahead and got set up with it and everything during like the final days of it, or was it something so where it was up on their website for a couple months. And at the time they weren't like announcing, like, I remember us like looking at the dates being like, surely they should be announcing. They should be announcing. They should be announcing something. Why aren't they announcing anything? And mm-hmm. then it turned out like a month later when they finally announced something like the web, they didn't even announce the website was just gone. If I recall. Oh, and then, yeah. and then you heard from the actual authors who were published with them that they, they'd closed and they weren't taking on anyone else. No, that was it. We heard it through a mutual Somebody friend. Else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We heard it through a mutual friend and she said, they're not taking who is, who was published with them. And she yeah. said, they're not taking on anyone because they're closing. And mm. so we kind of were like, well, <laughs> but through that, just wasted all that time, but yes, you know, yes. but did you get, but, did you get some writer? Did you get some readers from we that? Did. We did okay. get people who really loved it, who then were on the lookout for it when we published it. So it wasn't a complete, like, that's good. waste of time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And it was nice to see the initial reaction. So we knew like we were kind of onto something, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Molly and I don't write first drafts. I know that sounds crazy, but you asked me about a first yeah. draft. We don't, we don't write, we write third drafts. I'm not lying about that. So you edit we as write you go. Third draft. Mm-hmm. 
No, no, no we're not just really. Like, We've just, just done like, it so super much. anal about it <laughs> that when we write chapters that, yeah, we just like, I don't know how to explain that. Our third, our first drafts are third drafts. We so, still do several drafts. It's oh, just, yeah. we don't, we don't really, and this isn't to sound like full of ourselves or anything. It's just, we've put in so much work into our writing, both individually and together that our mm-hmm. first drafts are really clean already. Of course, there's oh, potholes nice. and stuff that we do go on and find, and we still go yeah. through the process of several rounds of edits and beta readers and all that, but it, it makes it really handy that our first drafts, first drafts are so solid as it is like i remember that was a big thing with gray rain is when we did go to do that first edit we're like oh this is like pretty solid already so that made you know the finishing a lot easier easier Mm -hmm. yeah but we also outline together we do outline yeah so pretty in depth as well yeah so that makes it easier that you already have kind of like you know what's going to happen i mean not that you there's no any wiggle room for something because if i have an idea while i'm writing it i'll tell her like what if they do this? Cause this is crazier. And she'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah. We also discuss but, as we're each writing our yeah. chapters as well. So I think like that helps. Like Rebecca will send me like tidbits from the chapters she's writing and I'll be like, Oh, I'm kind of stuck on this part in mind. Do you think they should do this or do that? So we really do collaborate even on our individual chapters. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that really helps as well. So by the time we do go to like read the collective thing, we both already sort of know what we're in for, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. yeah. It, and th- so, so what's the order of the books that uh, for this series? Lightfall, Dark Rise and Grey Rain. Nice. Nice. Dark and Rise was- is my favorite. <laughs> Dark Rise is well, fun because it's a stat- it's usually the, like, it's the middle of the trilogy and that's yeah. where like everything. The second really- books are always the best. And it's so funny because people usually yeah. say the second books are the worst. I'm like, no, they aren't. Have you read mm-hmm. his Dark Materials? Like the Subtle Knife is the best book in that trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's loads of them that are just like that. Well, yeah, there's a book, there's a book called Ever Upward that I thought was, that I thought was uh, better <laughs> than the first. So there's that. So. <laughs> And I and I hope I hope Rebecca can can agree with that because I was really I was really yes. proud of how that yes. one came together. So yeah, it is, people it is always say the, the second book in my dystopian trilogy is the best one too. Although I am partial to the third, but, but now Dark the Rise. Dark Rise was just nuts. It was mental. That was such a fun book to write. <laughs> now yeah, your own your own dystopia trilogy. Your own dystopia trilogy. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about about that, Molly. So Project War is about a girl named Winter who lives in a very oppressive society. Um, mm-hmm. It was very much inspired by George Orwell's 1984. This idea of mm-hmm. a society that's aware of everything you do. And so she was very much raised to conform, to not stand out, to not draw any attention to herself. And sort of right at the beginning of the story, she ends up experiencing an episode that unfortunately does draw the attention. But she ends up uh, in the hands of a government research facility where she finds out she has a rare disease that gives her sort of telekinetic powers and lets her see the future. I've seen reviews who compare her to Eleven from Stranger Things. And I will say yes, but I actually published before Stranger Things came out. I'm just Mm -hmm. going to put that out there. So (laughs) it was out first. Mm -hmm. I did not copy anything, I promise. Um, But yeah, so it's very much, you know, it has a lot of the the tropes you find in dystopian. There's the rebel group, there's, you know, but but the overarching theme is that she has a vision that the world's going to end. So it's sort of a race against time throughout the whole trilogy. Very cool. Very cool. And Um, what was... I'm I'm only... 
I'm going to only interrupt you guys to say my toddler's up. So my time's <laughs> going to be limited because that's not going to last long. So <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. So I'm just letting you know I've got like five minutes of time All right. before All right. so, um, he explodes behind me. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. so Molly, if you can stick around af- afterwards, yeah, no worries. Show, show the, show some visuals, you know, from it, you know, that, so what, so, wow. So you guys, so you guys have a lot that's on your plate for what's next. You mentioned briefly yeah. that there is another story that you, that you both want to collaborate on. Can you share a little bit of details about that? The fantasy one uh, or the demon one? We have, have two, two other ones. Do. We have, we have. So the the princess and the pea retellings just give you a standalone. Oh, there's that. Yeah. yeah. So that that's like that's in like an inter. Yeah, that's like in an interconnected world situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, do you want to talk about the other one? The demon one is kind of like a paranormal romance, but like a John Wisk esque revenge story. Yeah. It's like, but like a paranormal romance where. But when she and I write paranormal romance, our world building is like crazy. It's so even normal. though like it's relationship <laughs> focused, there's so much going on. So it's like basically we have it set in sort of like alternative planet, like an alternate earth with like magic systems and magic system is even if you have magic, you have to give something of yourself to power. So like you want to power a spell, you cut your hair, you cut something off, you cut, you pull your fingernails out, right? Mm-hmm. The more sacrifice you have. So people... In the beginning of the prologue, um, I'll spoil it for everybody. You know, the king who's fighting for a city decides to do it, like a, to give his life to take out the enemy army. And what he does is he rips open a portal to a different dimension. And the first demon comes out. They call it a demon just because it looks different than they do. And he makes a bargain with him. Like, okay, like you trade something, you give me your soul, I'll give you power, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we set up. And then we meet our character later who a deal, she's like a runner for a criminal group. A deal goes wrong. Somebody takes her sister and she like basically goes to the soul devourer and says, I'll give you my soul if you help me get her back and wow. we're going to kill everyone. So that's kind of what, that's what happens wow. when they fall in love. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> that's awesome. And just a, just a quick final question because we do have the, this Kickstarter campaign that's been, that's in its final days. And, and I, I really hope go. that My everyone, <laughs> oh yeah, that, that I really hope that everyone really hope, you know, decides to contribute to what have both of you learned from this, from this part of your collaborations together? Well, I had already done a Kickstarter, so I, I sort of already knew what to expect going in. And I, mm-hmm. I had done a lot of research going in. And so I think we kind of were fairly confident it would do well. We knew we had like a unique product and something very beautiful. And we knew from, you know, seeing other campaigns and from my own experience that, as Rebecca said, the people on Kickstarter are collectors. They want something beautiful. Fantasy is what really rules over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we're both quite creative. I, I bounce a lot of ideas off one of my friends and she always helps me with coming up with unique ideas as well in terms of like swag options and things like that. Cause she has her own very successful merch store. So I think we, we were pretty prepared in terms of what to expect. And it's just, it's just gone as well as we'd hoped, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a perfect way to kind of wrap up this portion of our episode here, because as, as Molly and Rebecca have learned, it turns out, you know, like they collaborate incredibly well together. They have some 
both of them are able to tap into their vast imaginations and they're able to contribute to each other's personal success by getting their own books out there in addition to the ones that they're working on as well. So with, with that in mind, it has been just a real treat watching the two of them grow as collaborators, as the, as the heads of the bookish den. And as time goes on, like they're, things are only going to only going to get better in, in the long run. And so I am just excited for Molly. I'm excited for Rebecca. I'm excited for them both. I love them both. And, and I am just really thrilled to see that, that when it comes to the, when it comes to the art of collaboration, it is alive and well these days, and it will continue to thrive as much as people would, would think otherwise with everyone being really kind of retreating into themselves over these past few years. It has been just really something special to see this collaboration really come together and thrive as it has. So I hope that all of you are taking, taking the time to go to their Kickstarter page. Molly, can you tell us a little bit about what they can expect right now from these final days of the Kickstarter campaign? So because the Kickstarter has funded really well so far, we've unlocked a lot of what are called stretch goals. So basically when we first set up the campaign, we didn't know how many copies we would realistically like get ordered. So it's not like we could really commit to a print run of 100, 300 copies or whatnot. So we knew that in order to do a print run where you could offer the fancy extras, because the cost for that can be quite expensive, we knew we couldn't really offer those fancy extras except as as stretch goals. So basically, mm-hmm. once we pass the target, if we hit X amount, we can then add, we can upgrade the, the book to include these nice things. So the we've managed to unlock gold foiling for the dust jacket stenciled well it's it's digitally printed edges is the correct phrase i believe it's mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous i don't have a fi- i have a digital image i can send you mm-hmm. um, yeah. and colored end papers as well and we've unlocked some fun swag like i don't know how well you'll be able to see these but i have these amazing little gold like corners so you mm-hmm. they kind of go on the so we've unlocked those. So yeah, so there's a lot of free things that are getting thrown in now because the, the funding's gone so well. And we do have some more stretch goals to unlock as well if we hit them. Excellent. Excellent. I am so excited for the both of you on this. <laughs> We're going to go into a little bit more details in our bonus post-show feature that's that's with Molly herself in just a moment. So I just want to wrap up this portion of the show by saying that... As I said before, collaboration is not dead. It has really just kind of evolved into what it is right now. Rebecca is based out of New York. Molly is based out of the UK. The two of them have been working together for quite a few years now. And it's this is a partnership that is just going to get better and better as time goes on. So for Rebecca Jaycox and Molly Phipps, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. 
While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com. <laughs>